Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Our man Ross Dellinger came through big time. Awesome piece over at Yahoo about the future of college football, the future of college basketball, the future of the Big 12 and ACC and how it relates to the Big 10 and SEC. We'll be attacking all of that on today's show. Also touching on some Big 12 hoops. Uh, two results last night. Kansas gets hammered by Texas Tech. And also TCU picks up a win over West Virginia. Big slate tonight. All coming up on today's Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football. I'm your host, Josh Neighbors. You all can find the show uh, on YouTube, wherever you guys get your podcasts as well. You find us on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Also, leave your comments. That's how you can help us grow the show. And if you all find us on podcast platforms and those places, five stars is always appreciated. Uh, you guys could do that. All right. So today's show, really attacking this Ross Dellinger article. It's from Yahoo Sports. You all can find it on his page. There's so much to get to from it. But uh, it says, you know, basically it's about like college sports, the juncture it's at. And he highlights these things on his Twitter page. ACC and Big 12's role after the Big 10 SEC joint venture, uh, the inevitable expansion of March Madness, college football playoff money overhaul, and modifications of Project D1, which basically is what the NCAA is trying to do to maintain some control. And so there's a conversation with Brett Yormark in here. I think just kind of the vibe of the Big 12 is, is an interesting one. But let's start with the way Brett Yormark reacted after he heard the news of the Big 10 and the SEC making the announcement that the two wealthiest leagues are teaming up and, you know, uh, you're doing so, so in some kind of like advisory capacity. Right. So this is what Brett Yormark had to say about this. Um, you know, he described his reaction, uh, Ross Dallinger does as benign, right? Benign, basically meaning that, you know, he's, a, he does like, uh, whatever. Uh, and I think the reason why he does this, I'll give you guys a quote here. If Tony and Greg want to go uh, into a deeper think tank with their key stakeholders about the future of college athletics, there's no pride of, of authorship here. As long as that communication continues at the rate it's been. I really don't think about this as an opportunity for them to move in a different direction. Right. And I think it's a really good point here. There's a couple things. Yes, the SEC and the Big Ten are the two wealthiest conferences. Um, they distribute more money and, and the Big Ten SEC schools now earning, you know, 80, 90 million dollars a year in distribution. The ACC and Big 12 are at 45 to 50. I know it's a huge gap, but also to... I think about it like this, a couple things. I made this point a whole lot. I'll keep saying this. When it comes to football guys, they can't. the NFL is the king. And the reason why college football is a pretty strong connection, I think you can even think about high school football, the reason high school football is a strong connection. Uh, you know, it's, it's regional. It's about, hey, I went here, you went here. It's about rivalries. And we've already broken up a little bit of that, or a lot of that, to be honest. But there's only so far you can go, in my opinion, and maintain why people love the product. Once again, I work in Arkansas. Uh, it's a college market. People here are already complaining about the way college sports is going now. 
And they do feel disenfranchised in some ways. If you keep doing that, if you keep poking the bear, it's going to get worse. The numbers are still strong. Viewership is up. Attendance is up. But but if the next step here is disenfranchising, and we already have started, right? The way that Washington State and Oregon State have been disenfranchised is tough. Um, and you start disenfranchising ACC schools and you disenfranchise Big 12 schools. And when I say disenfranchise, what I mean is not include them, whatever the future of college football is, just a 30-team Super League and we're not even doing a soccer-like promotion and relegation system. Well, you're cutting off a, a portion of viewership. You're cutting off fan base. So this a bunch keep saying it. Why should Kansas State fans care if Alabama plays Clemson and they can't be involved in that, you know, that result, right? Uh, if what happens between Bama and Georgia ultimately affects who K-State plays, K-State fans are interested, right? But if Bama versus Georgia is the top level of the sport and K-State's not involved in that in any way, shape, or form, like the reason that a Big 12 fan like myself would watch the SEC championship game is because, hey, Big 12 team might be playing an SEC team, right? Uh, my team might play those teams. And because I feel connected to the sport, I will watch that game. But here's the thing. It's football. And if you're a K-State fan, chances are you're probably a Kansas City Chiefs fan. There's a higher level of football you can watch. You can watch those Kansas City Chiefs every Sunday. So if uh, if nothing's on the line for me at all, when Bama plays Georgia, Bama plays Clemson, Miami or uh, Michigan plays Oregon in the Super League, why should I care about that? I'll watch K-State play whoever. I'll watch whoever else matters about who K-State's going to play. And then I'll watch my Chiefs on Sunday because that's the highest level of football. And I don't need to watch... Georgia, Alabama to get the highest level of football, right? I've got that with my pro team and the, and the pro league is the biggest league. You don't find that there's not a lot of fans out there. And so I know somebody in the comments is going to be like, I don't watch pro football. Like, shut up. I mean, like you probably, you're one of two people then because the numbers say pro football is the most, you know, the biggest sport. Everybody goes to college games. A lot of those people also have a pro team. Well, you know, here in Arkansas, there's no NFL team, but guess what? The Cowboys are four hours away. There's a lot of Cowboys fans around here. All right. So, you know, the NFL is the biggest, the biggest thing, and you have to protect yourself from that. And the reason why I think Brett Yormark, you know, is it has to portray confidence. Sure. Yes. But I do think on some level, Brett Yormark has to believe that Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti, the commissioners of the SEC and the Big Ten, respectively, have to have some awareness of this fact that what, like, I'm not saying Big 12 is what makes college football great, but what makes college football great is a lot of different teams and also them, you know, like the ability to all connect in certain ways, playing rivalry games, right? Uh, you know, like Missouri, a bunch of Missouri fans, and they're in the SEC, this is a Missouri example. Missouri's in the SEC. Going to the Cotton Bowl was a huge deal for Missouri fans. You know, any t- a Tulane last year going to a Sugar Bowl, huge deal. UCF, when they played Auburn, huge deal. Cincinnati going to the CFP, huge deal. Those seasons are awesome and feel like a huge deal when they're allowed to be a part of college football, of like New Year's Six, and and be a part of, I hope, the college football playoff. That stuff is good for the sport. Look, the results are going to be the same anyway. You know what I mean? Like, like we're going to get Georgia's champion. We're going to get the Clemsons, the Michigans, whatever. But I actually think there's enough variety as it is. The best teams are going to win. The best programs are always going to win. Sure, that's the way it should be. I want the best programs to win. But we still had a TCU. TCU still TCU beat this year's national champion with a lot of the same players and the same coaching staff and TCU never trailed against them. 
Those teams are important. Those stories are important. If you, and there are, they've already proed up college football in a lot of ways, but if you keep doing it and starts feeling less and less, you know, college, like I do think you're going to run into some issues at least. And I could be wrong on that. The numbers might not end up bearing that out, but there has got to be some protection of what makes college ball college football. Because at that point, what are we talking about? Like the reason why the NCAA tournament does so well is because of how good cool the postseason is, how unique it is. And here's the thing. The NBA is a much better basketball product, but man, there's something awesome about a single elimination tournament at the end of the year. I mean, I'll never forget the VCU run to the final four is a special, special moment for me in my, you know, my young life and sporting career, uh, you know, in the sporting fan career, I should say. And, you know, moments like that are because the tournament's so cool. And protecting that kind of thing is important. Like the quality of the games, it's not excellent all the time. No. And putting basketball games in these big domes is not always great. But man, was that Chris Jenkins shot awesome. And Chris Jenkins did not go on to have a bunch of a pro career. You know what I mean? Like, a, I mean, I'm not sure where he's even playing right now. But but you all, uh, you all kind of understand what I'm getting at here. The what makes college sports great is like the little bit of magic. And I actually don't think paying the players does not take that away. Like the, you know, it's like Carolina Duke is still Carolina Duke. Carolina Duke is not changed because Armando Baycott's getting paid a certain amount of money or Kyle, Kyle Filipowski. And to be honest, actually college basketball is benefiting from NIL more than any other sport because I remember times where guys would go to the league and guys would go to the draft and guys would go play in Europe, whatever, because, Hey, I'm ready to go. And it's time to make some money. And also, too, the best development is actually professional development if I'm trying to go play pro basketball. But now we can pay those guys to stay in college longer. Now we've got a lot of four and five year guys in college. Honestly, I think that's why the hit rate, uh, the winning rate that you're seeing for some of these teams, uh, you know, right now, like top 10 AP teams on the road this year. I mean, the they are falling like flies. And I think that's good. And it's more turmoil. It's more fun. It's more upsets. It's cool to have moments like that. And I think in college football too, you're seeing this, excuse me, because of NIL, you are seeing some changes like this. You know, rivals, I think they're top 11 recruits in their class this year over at rivals.com all went to different schools. So you are now seeing the spread of elite college players in football in some ways. And I think that's why you're seeing different champions. You know, you're seeing a, uh, you know, like this year, Texas, if they had won, would not have won in the wild. Michigan had not won in a long time. Bama obviously won a bunch of them making it too. you know, there and Washington hadn't won in a long time, but like a lot of variation, like three or four different, really, you know, really cool stories. And then the championship game, you had either Washington or you had Michigan, which either one had not won since the nineties. So those are strong programs, but there's some variation there. Right. But every game can't just be Washington, Michigan. Uh, I think you lose something when you have that and you need to include, you know, I'm not saying like, hey, just have to include everybody. No, there's going to be a pay structure and there's going to be a way that, yeah, like Oklahoma State and and Kansas State are not going to make as much. It's going to make it harder for them to compete. But that was the case for TCU last year. And they still did beat a Michigan. They do not have the resources that Michigan have has or they don't have that, but they still won the game. They still played the game. They still beat them. And so that's what I think Brett Yormark, you know, kind of getting back to the original point here. Like, I think Brett Yormark's aware of that, that these guys are college commissioners and chasing money is great, but like to what end? At some point you need to care about like, the health of the sports, the health of the sport. Do you want to be the person that ruined it? You might make some folks some more money, but like what's, it, 
is the point of this exercise to make people more money? Like does Greg Sankey, is, is his life goal to become Roger Goodell? You know, I know stakeholders, everybody wants more money, but I mean, at what point, you know, like what is the point of this? Like the NFL is a, is a business and college sports is a business, but what are you actually accomplishing with your business? Like, it, it, you know, if everybody's getting the same payout numbers, if, if Alabama gets the same amount as Georgia, like you, you, your people on campus, campus actually have to separate, right? So like, that's what separates you is your donors. That's what's going to separate you from Alabama. If you're getting the same payout from the school, it's going to be the people at, you know, uh, excuse me, from the conference, like you have to separate yourself in a, in a, in a different way, you know, and it's going to be about strategy and how you do that uh, and all those kinds of things. But like this, you know, at some point I think you're going to protect the the sport, you know, because it's like you, the sport will be worse. And I think you'll make, end up making uh, less money in the end for me. And also too, one thing that is mentioned here in Ross Dellinger's article is the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, it's taught, Brett, your mark mentions, Hey, this is the best basketball conference in the country. Uh, and he mentions that all the time. The big 12 obviously is going to be playing Kansas and Houston in Mexico city. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they're trying to find different ways and different partnerships and trying to get things done like that. They're also going to hold their football media days in 2024 in this coming year in Vegas, which obviously is very exciting potentially for me, uh, going that, um, and so also, you know, he says the industry is going through a reset. Everything is on the table for consideration. Brett Yormark too also has to consider like if he was the SEC commissioner or he was the Big Ten commissioner, would he not be doing the same stuff that Tony Petiti and Greg Sankey are doing? Right? Would he not be having the same conversations about making the same decisions and and try you know trying to boost their profile as much as possible? Would he not be doing that? I think he would be. Right. But if we're just like, I mean, because they're chasing cash and they're making a ton of cash hand over fist. But like I, my whole point is, I think at some point there's a cutoff because you are not the NFL and you're not going to rival the NFL. So what sets you apart? Regionality, uh, you know, like a little bit of Cinderella ish, but like the regionality rivalries, not having Oregon play Alabama every single week in a football, you know, in a, in a massive stadium, you know, the uh, college game day going different places. Army Navy is what makes, you know, makes a sport stuff like that makes college football different. If you just go pro and just go pro, like it's not, it's going to hurt it. It's going to, it's going to hurt it for sure. Um, and then, so also on the, on the NCAA tournament CFP future, he says over the last three weeks at two separate meetings, high ranking college leaders took the initial step in exploring significant change to both the NCAA men's basketball tournament and the college football playoff. In a meeting in Washington, D.C. on January 25th, commissioners, the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, and yes, Pac-12, uh, at a dialogue with Baker about their wish to examine the NCAA tournament expansion. Separately, in a meeting of the CFP Management Committee in Dallas on February 5th, Big Ten and SEC leaders opened a dialogue about uh, the other eight FBS commissioners, Notre Dame, on their intent to see the CFP revenue distribution model and voting structure change. Right, so they want more power. They're going to want more power and more and more kind of say so in what happens. The reason they can is they've got a bunch of teams, obviously, that are primary ones. Because the thing is, the Big Ten and SEC could go off and do their own thing. We just talked about that. I think that would be a huge mistake. I think there is a way that they can still be kind of make, make more money. I think really what they want here is 12 teams. Uh, I mean, to protect conference championships, though, you're going to have to have some AQs. 
I know there are people out there that don't like the automatic qualifiers and don't like that system, but if you want, and, and once again, conference championship games are money-making vessels, ticket sales. It's an extra game on television. Uh, for the networks, it's obviously a huge deal. You know, hey, if you're play, replacing that with more playoff games, maybe, yes. And I know there's talk about going to 16 teams, whatever. Uh, I mean, FBS has done 24. I think that's what it is, uh, forever. But but on that same front, uh, if you go a, if you go, you know, at large is 12 and you jack conference championship games, like you're going to be losing some money there. So is that something that you want to do? And I think those two leagues, like, yeah, we're going to get more teams in if we go with the uh, the at-large. I don't think it should be all at-large. I think it should be four. I, I like the five or the six because it actually includes everyone, even though I, I want a I G5 team in, in each year. Um, I think that would be better off for the entire sport as a whole and the model, even if they get boat raced. But we have power five teams getting boat raced all the time. Uh, I think that happens too. So uh, Ross also says, while the power leagues together team up to push the NCAA to grow the basketball tournament, the two richest leagues are joining forces to modify its football counterpart. A seasoned New York businessman and former talent, uh, talent agency executive, your Mark views the moves as the next phase of college athletics evolution into a uh, more robust business, the business world. It is referred to as the value equation. If you contribute more, you want more. I think that spirit came into both rooms and I think that it's very appropriate, right? So they feel like, Hey, we have more teams playing in this event. We would like more. Same thing will happen in the NCAA tournament too. The basketball tournament is the NCAA's largest, and most vital revenue stream, keeping afloat the organization itself, while also helping subsidize hundreds of small college athletic departments as a part of the NCAA tournament television deal, CBS and Turner, it runs through 2032. The NCAA distributes annually more than three, uh, $700 million to its schools, both in base amounts and units earned through advancing in this event. Uh, the five major college football conferences plus basketball power Big East normally earn the most, more than $200 million of the incentive units for wins in the tournament. For instance, six of those conferences responsible for 70% of the winning around 70% or responsible for winning around 70% of the available units. And obviously the Big 12 does a good job winning those units. However, discussions between the commissioners and the NCAA go beyond the topic of revenue and also include the growing wish for more access to the form of at-large spots. Now, uh, I do not think the NCAA tournament should be expanded. It would help the Big 12 for sure, but there's a lot of average basketball teams that would get in. From a product standpoint, it's going to hurt the product. Um, 68 is a is a pretty good number, I think. We have seen first four to the final four, but man, once you start getting to that edge, it, it's really, really hard to, to justify because you're going to have a bunch of sub 500 teams in conference. And look, some of these teams deserve to get in, but we're going to be talking about, you know, this year, like UCF gets added to the bubble conversation. Now they should not be in that at this point in time, in my opinion. I just, I don't think that they're an NCAA tournament team. You know, Cincinnati should be a bubble team, but they would be safe. And also, like, this game tonight for Cincinnati is a huge, huge game. They're playing Iowa State tonight at home. They lost to Houston at home. They've got Iowa State at home. It's a massive contest for them, obviously, because they need a win, in a, you know, to, in one of these two games to boost their profile, get them on the right side of the bubble. If you go 0 for 2, you're losing opportunities. And also, you know, it's, it's a big game. It's just, it just makes for a good situation. But, like, you're going to devalue the regular season. Um, 
So they're going to go for it because it's going to make more money. But I think that's something we have to we have to think about here with with the with the tournament. Uh, and we'll talk more about the college ball playoff as we go along. The NCAA also their new model. We will reach a touch on that too, but we're already 20 minutes in. So just thinking about that, the the Big 12 or the one thing here is the Big 12. I think is making sure that they're not going to be left out. Brett Yormark knows that. Hey man, we can't affect what the Big 10 and the SEC are going to do. We have to play ball with them a bit, but also we have to, at the same time, expect that, man, they can't just break off and go away. Cause like, that's just change. You're just changing the complexion of the sport as a whole. And I think eventually in 2032, it runs out with the NCAA. I think that the, whatever this governing body is of the college football playoff also grabs the NCAA tournament. And obviously there's no chance the big 12 gets left out of that. So you have to think it might be two different committees, but the entity and the body that uh, of which that will make kind of those decisions is going to mean, um, you know, I think it's going to mean that, uh, like it, it's gonna be the same thing, but it's just be different subsects of it that will make choices. All right. Let's talk about a little bit of basketball here as we wrap up on a Tuesday edition of the big 12 watch. So last night, two games, TCU takes care of business. It was pretty easy for them against West Virginia. So the frogs, uh, they make sure they stayed above 500 in the league. They are now six and five, 81 to 65 over West Virginia. Uh, and then Texas tech just blows the doors off of Kansas. They outscored them by 20 in the second half of this game. Um, even in a day where there was no, it was injured to Juan Harris and no Kevin McCuller. They still did not go to the bench very much. Kansas did not. And they shot terribly. Uh, Nicholas Timberlake actually played pretty good in 29 minutes. He had 13 points. He'd have three turnovers, but um, this was a rough night. Hunter Dickinson was two for 12. He just he could not score. And then obviously another side of things, ball movement was fantastic. And then Darion Williams, the story of the night, a 12 for 12 shooting night, four for four from three, two for two from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, 30 points. I mean, a 12 for 12 night is just spectacular. And Pop Isaacs, bad shooting continues. He was one for nine. Although he's a really good passer. Curlin Walton was, uh, he was two for seven of the old North Carolina Tar Heel. Curlin Walton was two for seven on the night. Joe Toussaint was two for nine on the night. I mean, it was really all Darion Williams in this game. And he was the one who made the big difference. This game was not was not particularly close. I want to wait to give some judgment on KU until Kevin McCullough comes back, but you have to be concerned just because the lack of depth and they're one injury away, but also two man, you're going to ride these guys into the ground a bit. And, and we talked about this the other day, but they they've got a huge depth depth issue on this team. There's no doubt about that. What a win for Texas tech an absolute hammer tonight. Big games, the big 12, I mentioned six o'clock ESPN two, number 10, Iowa state at Cincinnati. It's one of those games, man, Iowa state, a good chance to, to keep pushing their way up in the big 12 standings. And really, I mean, you're at a point now where not saying it could become a two horse race, but if Iowa state wins tonight, they're seven and three tied with Houston. They're going to be seven and three tied with Houston, the lead in the big 12. Um, I, they've been, they have had a tough time on the road in the past. They're three and three this year on the road. They're perfect at home. And that Hilton magic, they might be able to ride that. And also how good the team is now to being involved in the conference championship picture. But that's a huge game, I think, for the conference title race. Because, uh, I mean, I think Houston can can put a little bit of sp uh, space between them and Iowa State. And I believe they have one more game against them. Oklahoma back in the top 25. They travel to Baylor tonight. Baylor's 6-4 and four in the league. OU is 6-5. and five. The only 
ranked versus ranked matchup tonight. Excited for this one because OU feels like they're playing really well. Baylor should have beaten, should have beaten Kansas. It feels like they missed some opportunities there at the end uh, and not able to get the job done. And then BYU takes on UCF eight o'clock on ESPN plus. All right, that will do it for today. Make sure you all follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You all can also find me wherever you guys get your podcasts and here on YouTube as well. All right, folks, talk to you tomorrow.